Hallelujah. Second uh, Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. I'll speak. I'm speaking to us on fullness through knowledge. Fullness through knowledge. Fullness through knowledge. And this passage was a passage that the Lord brought to my attention this week. I've I've come across it so many times, but I from verse let me start from verse one. It's just three verses. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. According to his divine power has he given us given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness how through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and to virtue so we have been given all things and i know many times as believers we claim that we have been given all things and it is true there's nothing that Jesus has that he has not given us. But the challenge is that is the way he provides what he has given. For example, um, you know, trust fund kids. We were having this conversation some time ago. You know what they call trust fund kids? They are kids that their father, being a rich man, their father, being a rich man, he said, is, you know, when all these rich men write their will, when these rich men write their will, one thing they do is they say, okay, give this child a hundred million pounds. Give this child 200 million pounds. But many times the wise ones don't give that money in bulk and they don't die. And then the lawyer says, here's 200 million. What they do is, especially if the children are young, they say, at every milestone, you have this amount of money. So they can say, when you turn 18, here is 5 million. When you turn 25, here's an, you would have been wiser now. So here's another 20 million. When you turn 30, they can say, here's another 50 million. So that by the time that child turns maybe 55, all that money, maybe it was 200 million originally, all that money would have been given unto him. So for the wise ones, they know how to manage it. For the unwise ones, they know that all they need to do is stay alive. I mean, you understand, if you are 18 and you are given 5 million, and you know that by the time you are 25, you are going to unlock another 50. So the wisdom demands that you should try to, even if you are broke, let's say you have wasted the 5 million, you just need to stay alive long enough to make 25, and then you become rich again. And if you like, blow it again. You, need, you know you need to make it to 30, and then you become a rich man again. That's a system whereby they funnel things. The 200 million is still going to be that child's. 
but there are certain conditions that child must meet to eventually unlock all that money. Now imagine that that child does drugs and kills himself at 25. That money is, not, is going to go anywhere else that maybe the man had decided. That child is not going to have it, even though all that money was his. So when God gives us something, he, he gives a particular way. Many children of God want to insist on how God must give them. And you cannot tell God how to give you what God wants to give you. In this passage, twice... In, in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. So when you say peace be unto you, the only way that person would have peace is through the knowledge of God. So you can say peace be unto you, but if that person has no knowledge of God, that person is not going to have peace. Even though peace and grace are available to you. Verse 3, he goes on to say, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And then he says, how? Again, he says, through the knowledge of him. So he got, God ties everything that pertains to life. He ties grace. He ties peace. He ties everything to the knowledge of of him so after grace and peace and all things that pertains to life what is left there's effectively nothing left so everything god would give unto us is through the knowledge of god that is to say you enjoy the provision of god to the degree to which you know god you, you as a child you can be a child of god all you want but if you don't know god you will not enjoy everything god has for you even though all those things were provided for you i was saying jokingly recently that you know the parable of the sower the seed is consistent the sower is consistent the only difference was the texture of the soil that the seed fell into it's the same thing when daddy stands up here and says the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. All of those blessings will work in your life to the degree to which you have a knowledge of who God is. There is nothing of God that falls in a vacuum. There is nothing that God gives that many times God is willing to do not even many times. All the time, God is willing to do many things. But the children of God are not in a position to receive what God wants to give. Do you agree that it's a good thing when a father can buy a car for his son? Is it a good thing? It's not a bad thing. If you can afford it, you can buy a car for your son. But is it a good thing to buy a car for a child that is 10? Does it make a car bad? Does it make the child bad? No. But why can't you now buy a good car for a good child? <laughs> the reason is because the change you collected from the dealer, you are likely to use it to buy a coffin. Yes. <laughs> if you do that, 
because the child is not because the child is bad it's because the child does not yet have the requisite knowledge to handle what you are bringing the day will come when that child will be grown and mature enough to pass his theory test to pass his practical test to get a license and at that point you can buy him a car it's still the same child what happened is that he had grown in knowledge and stature as you as we grow in the things of god we unlock things of god that have always been ours there are levels of anointings that we will not touch until our lives are a certain way before god look at the journey of moses moses was a very boisterous person he, you know, he had this anger issue and all that. Killed a, an Egyptian because he understood he was supposed to be the deliverer. Yet Moses could. He, Moses, when he was in Egypt, already knew that he was going to be the deliverer of the Israelites. He knew that was why he went about killing. Yet he could not become that person until forty years later, when God had taught him lessons in the wilderness. If Moses never learned those lessons, he would never become that deliverer that God always wanted him to be. So you see, you, God shows you visions and says you are going to do great things for him. You will do those great things to the degree to which you grow in the knowledge of God, who God is, what God will tolerate, what God would not tolerate. There are you know, we talk of sin, and people like to say all sins are equal, but the Bible doesn't class all sins as the same. The Bible doesn't say that. But the point is there are certain levels you get to that God now commits certain things to you that you cannot afford mistakes. You know that if a regular church member tells a lie now, uh, there's a good chance people on live stream will never know. But if somebody that stands there tells that same lie, it will be on record forever and ever that you stood in front of the people and you lied to them. And because God knows that there are certain things he would not allow that person that is still lying to get to so that you don't get there and drag the name of God through the mud. So what, what the, my point today is if you desire to have everything that God has for you, you will get there on the basis of how much of God you are willing to know. There is the things of God that you will be taught. There are the things of God you will find. And many times, we, you know, we come to church and listen to the sermon. But truth of the matter is, as wonderful as the sermon is, it's going to take a very long time for some one person to teach you all the scriptures that you need for your life. It's going to take... Yes, if it's at all possible, it will take years. So to complement whatever you hear in the house of God, there must be something that you do. There must, you know, the house of God is, is the place where everybody brings their fire. That is what the house of God is supposed to be. Every, that's why when Apostle Paul was speaking, I think to the Corinthians, talking of everybody prophesy, everybody prophesy in order. That means there was the capacity for everybody to just explode and be prophesying. 
So you are supposed to bring the portion that God has given you. You come with the anointing upon your life. You come with the grace upon your life. That's why it's not the same person that preaches, that sings, that leads prayers, that does everything. Because everybody has their measure of fire and grace. And they must bring it so that when we come together, we kindle a great fire. And that when everybody goes back, we go back greater than we came. That's why it is a foolish thing for a child of God to say, I don't need the fellowship of brethren. You will eventually die. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, it's only a matter of time you will eventually, because you, you are not big enough by yourself to kindle a fire by yourself. You know, when God was creating in Genesis, the Bible says that he would, he would create, he would let there be light and there was light, and he would look at it and say, and this, and he would say, and God saw that it was good. It was after God saw that it was good that it would be morning and evening the next day. So God would create, he would step back, assess what he has created, and decide whether it was good or not. You know that it was only when God got to man that God said it is not good for man. So everything else was good until he got to Adam. And the reason Adam was not good was not because God didn't create him perfectly. It was because it was not good for him to be alone. And as far as God was concerned, the fact that Adam was alone was the reason why he was not good. So now, God has not changed his mind. That's why he, that's why he instituted marriage. That's why he instituted fellowship. That's why he instituted communion. So that there would never be a point where man will be alone. The Bible even says, woe unto him that is alone. Why? What will happen to him that is alone? What does the Bible say? What's the next verse? Ah, we did not, eh? You were saying? Because when he falls, he didn't say if he falls, when. There, there, it, it doesn't mean that you are guaranteed to fall into sin. What it means is that there will be times where you will need raising up. As anointed as Moses was, he needed Aaron and Hor and a stone. No, it doesn't matter how much anointing, how much, it doesn't matter how much grace you carry if there's nobody to listen to you. What's the point? If I stand there and there's nobody in this church and I'm preaching to, preaching to empty chairs, it doesn't matter how much grace you have, there must be people around you to tap into what you have. So you cannot say, I am so wise, I know how to run my life. You people should just leave me alone. What is going to happen is that the day you will I heard the story of a man that would always send the wife to the other room because she, he felt she was, was it snoring or some drama? So he said he loves his sleep so much that I can share everything with you about my sleep. So go to the, the problem was that the day he had an heart attack, the wife was also in the other room. So she woke up the morning to come and say, good morning, sir. There was nobody to say, Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1.15. Say, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is a powerful prayer that all of us love. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of him. You are starting to see that knowledge thing again. That was the first thing the apostle said. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It is after that that the heights of your understanding being enlightened then you will begin to know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. So all those things cannot happen if you have not grown in the knowledge of him. If you go to, that's in Ephesians 3, another prayer that we love to pray, 14 to 18. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and heart is named, that he will grant unto you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by might in by strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. You have to know. Even the things that are freely given unto us, the prayer was that, that we may know. If you don't know, you cannot interact with it. Many times we do, it's because we don't know. On, if you understood the presence of angelic assistance and you could tell when they came around, what would your life look like? If you recognize the voice of the Holy Ghost, so that when he says go, you go. When he says don't go, you don't go. What would your life look like? How many of us have looked back and realized there were decisions we made that we should never have made? If we, that now that you know these principles and standards of God, you go back and judge your life and like, ah, I probably should not have done that. But you already done it. And the blood of Jesus washes everything away. And the time of ignorance, the Bible says, God has overlooked. But now, you know, the things about God is that many times what you don't know, what happens is that you don't, you don't, you don't enjoy because you don't know. And Satan is able to sit on your ignorance to punish you. But the ones you know and you don't do, it's not only Satan that will punish you. God himself will deal with you because you don't know. But now that you have known, you cannot go back and say, Lord, I didn't know. Hallelujah. Uh, Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him. Just write that down. I won't go there. But another passage I want to read is John chapter 8. From verse 28 to 32. It says, Then said Jesus to them, when he have lifted John chapter 8, verses 28 to 32, verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then Jesus turned to those Jews that believed on him. Then he said, If ye continue in my word, ye shall be my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus turned to people that said they, they, they believed. So Jesus left the unbelievers alone and turned to the believer and said, 
you said you believe you're welcome but the proof that you believe is that you continue in my word that is the proof that you are my disciples indeed who is a believer a believer is somebody that simply believes and at the level of a believer there you are not much better than the devil because the bible says even demons believe and they tremble so demons believe they tremble you believe you become born again but at that basic level both you and demons you both believe so there's not much difference then that's why jesus said you need to quickly get away from that level of belief because at that level of believing you are not much different from demonic so he says go up and the proof now was what he said in that verse 31 if you continue in my word you become my disciples indeed so he says leave the level of just believing now become a disciple and there are four levels actually the level of the believer the level of the disciple, the level of the servant, and the level of the friend. You, it's, you, when you, it's when you are a disciple that you, come, you can become a servant. A servant is simply somebody that has been trained to do certain things and then is sent to go do those things. So if your discipleship, the discipleship stage is where you are taught what to do. The servant state is where you are told to go and do certain things on behalf of the master the friendship state is where you are you understand why you are told to do what you are told to do jesus said i no more call you servants i call you friends why because a servant does not know what the master does it's now becoming friend doesn't mean you stop doing your servant duties it is that you now have an understanding to an extent of why you do what you do but until you have that understanding, God is saying that you must still obey. You must still continue in the word. And in fact, the word disciple comes from the word discipline. You know, university, they'll say, what discipline are you? You say, uh, maybe you say medicine or you say economics. The fact that you are in a discipline has he made you a doctor. The fact that somebody walks to you, know, all of us, you do matriculation and say, ah, what this? They say, ah, medicine, the At that point, you probably shook hands with people that will get rusticated in two semesters. <laughs> you, you, know, you, you, you know, you wouldn't know. It's after two semesters, you'd be like, where's that guy that we are doing matric and taking pictures together? And they will say, ah, apologies. Uh. <laughs> So everybody looks the same at that level. And then you start to go through the disciplines one by one. That course, that module, that assignment, all those things are differentiators. Number one, those things put you against the body of knowledge so that you know how much you have assimilated of what you have been taught. But it also puts you against the people that you, that you are with. So it's on two levels. Number one, you are, there is, it is not, it is not, but you know that the, even though all of you are in class and the worst case, the, the, what happens is maybe some people finish with first class, second class and all that, but real, in reality, your journeys are different. So you may have been in the same class, but your journeys are actually not the same. I remember um, we finished in, in, in March that year and and you know everybody finished we did all the fyb things what what t-shirt and everything all of us went 
and then I think they said matric or uh, graduation was December. But while people were doing graduation in December, some people were already, that December, some people were finishing first semester of their masters. You understand? So your journey, if you are not, if you are not comparing yourselves, you will react. That's why the Bible says those that compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Because your journey is not actually against somebody else. The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So your, your competition is not me. You, you shouldn't say, ah, I, I'm supposed to, pastor said he did this, I'm supposed to do more than that. Our journeys are not the same. Some, that's why, you know many times when you go and pray, what an understanding of prayer is that you must know what you get from prayers. Five of us could be praying. And as we are praying, one person is getting revelations of a business deal. Somebody in that same prayer, we are praying in tongues, somebody else is remembering one scripture that he didn't understand before, he just suddenly understood it. And we are in the same prayer. So you, don't, you shouldn't be expected to get the same thing out of prayer, even though if it's the same thing with church service now. The answers, the questions you have are not the same. And every, the, 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 what we are trusting God for is that God answers every question. But we are not at the same level of life and our challenges are not the same. So you are, you are supposed to measure yourself against what God has called you to do, not against your friends, not against your husband. So you can't say, Broyinka cannot say, I pray five hours every day. You, this my wife, you are not serious. You, you, you pray 15 minutes, you say you are finished praying. The, the demands of destiny on both of you are not the same, even though you are husband and wife. Your own destiny might be calling for five hours prayer every day. Her own <laughs> might be different. So you don't compare yourself with somebody else. You compare yourself against the things God has told you about you. So when you wake up in the morning, you look at that picture that God has given you. And if God has not given you a picture, you ask him. Ask God for, okay, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Um, let me ask us, how many of us has, uh, have, have seen a picture of our future or something that big that happens in our future? How many of you have seen it? So that means there is, that, that is God coming to say now that, look, in, in 15 years' time or 20 years' time, this is where I want you to get to. This is what I have in mind for you. What God is saying is that where you are now is you are on the journey. That is where you are journeying to. But that means to get there, there are things you must do now that you keep growing towards when you get there. So that when, whether you like it or not, 15 years time will come. But when it comes, are you going to, that picture you saw in your dream and your vision and the prophecy that came, are you going to look like it or you are not going to look anything like it? If you do not look anything like what God said you must look like that time, the problem was that the way you handled your journey when God told you was not the way you should have. Maybe then you joined yourself to people like someone like Jehoshaphat, that man would not listen. I, as much as I love him, he's a bad example in a sense. He, you went to join Heab and you almost got killed. What does he do? He, went, he goes to join league with Heab's son and they went to make ships. 
good man. Every time God was delivering him from strange associations, he would by his own hand go and rekindle that association. There are people God has been telling you to not talk to again, but you will not listen. Those people will be the reason. God, well, God will, when God wants to have mercy, you will just allow something small to happen to you so that you will learn the lesson that this person you need to let go. As a general rule, anybody you speak to that they kill the little fire inside you or the little hope you have, and you have a conversation with that person and you, you can't even see the way out anymore, that is a sign that that person is not someone you should keep talking to. You, you must deliver, you, 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 you choose those that surround you. You choose men. You deliberately talk to people that steer your faith, that help you, that encourage you, that tell you things will be okay. Not that people that lie to you, but people that if you have done wrong, they will look at your face and say, that was nonsense, don't do it again. But if you surround yourself, Rehoboam, was it Rehoboam, the son of Solomon? What did he do? Surrounded himself with young men and ignored all the advisors of his father. What happened to him? The kingdom got split. And my, my, my favorite part of that story was when they decided to fight each other, Judah and Israel. And they set battle area and the Lord sent the prophet and said, hey, this thing is of me. So everybody put their sword back in their pocket and everybody went home. That future will get here. But what would you look like when that future gets here? You know, there are some, it's like this. Um, you know, growing up, we would always record with um, C60, C90 tapes. You know how we used to rewind tapes with your biro and all these things. Now, when you want to rewind, you press one button, the whole thing goes back on your phone, you listen to music on your phone and all that. If, if, if technology is evolving, it also means that life will get to a point where you will have to have adjusted enough to stay relevant. If you refuse to adjust, life will pass you by. There are certain things you are seeing now that they are, they are already, as I'm speaking, just be looking at your life. Maybe there are things that are already giving you report card. You already see some, you know the way grades come from university. For some schools, they release it on their portal. For some, they paste it on the wall. Maybe they've pasted one out of nine. And that one is telling you that, my friend, you're having a D. <laughs> it's a sign. So you check your life. There might be feedback. Life gives feedback. The problem is that men don't, are not cognizant of what life is saying. You know, your, you know everything speaks. Do you know everything speaks? Do you know your body speaks? Do you know the language your body speaks? When you are royally exhausted, how do you know? How do you know if you're exhausted? Maybe you have a headache. If you are starving, your stomach will let you know. If you have overstretched yourself, your entire body will be creaking. You feel like you're about to fall apart. That's your body talking to you. The same way life gives you feedback. If doors are, if that's the point of, if doors are closing, why are they closing? Some people doors are closing against them because of demonic influence. For some people, it is their behavior. Someone that could help you, you insulted their father and their grandmother. Or you got on the same bus with the person and let's, let's imagine this scenario. You are going for an interview. You get on one of these red buses and there's this elderly woman and she, and so you, you are sitting down, but you see this elderly woman standing and you say, come and sit. And she sits down. 
Now imagine it's time for interview. You get into the room and she's sitting on the panel. What do you think will happen? Even if everybody else on the panel is giving you a hard time, she won't. Same way, if you go around pushing people against each other, being, you know, disrespecting people, all these things, the way, it will, the way life will give you feedback, you will. It's like children that go around slapping other children. They will slap one child one day, and that one, that one will beat. That is feedback. Life always gives feedback. Many times it's that people don't understand. Some of the things that people suffer later, it is because of what they did earlier. Some of the graces you enjoy later is because of what you did or people that have gone before you have done. It doesn't matter how good your parents have been. If you yourself are not good, there is, there is going to come a time your evil will overtake their good in your life. People will, because, it, okay, what's the, your, your parents say, ah, they call somebody they've known for 50 years, so they draw on their relationship with that person and say, can you please give my son a job? And say, ah, we know you, you're a good man. Here's a job for your son. But let's now say that son gets there and completely is the second cousin of the devil. <laughs> what would happen eventually? It's only a matter of time. Because the man would not risk his company, or sacrifice his company for his relationship with your parents. He is going to get rid of you. And so when somebody goes and says, ah, show in here. Ah, oh, girl. That ogal, oh <laughs> the things they have not said. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there is, like I said, there is the level of a believer, a disciple, a servant, and a friend. And Jesus is saying, if you continue in my word, you become my disciple. Christianity is not, freedom in Christianity is not, oh, you are free to do what you want. It is that you are at liberty to choose the yoke of Jesus. Every yoke has dimensions. Every burden has weight. It, the, you cannot serve God outside of how God wants to be served. Let's imagine you have a servant. Or let me not say servant. You have a cook in your house. And you say, hey, this morning I feel like pounded yam. Cook says, no problem, sir. And then after like an hour or two, cook comes and says, the food is ready, sir. You get on the dining and you are looking at fried rice. Is fried rice a bad idea? Is that what you want? If that person keeps doing that, will they keep that job for long? He won't keep the job, even though he's an excellent cook. So you cannot serve God the way you want to serve God. You either serve God the way God wants to be served or just serve yourself. That's why scripture says those people go to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, in your name we did miracles. There is, there is, there is what is called an end. There are things of God that come from an endowment of God unto you. There are things that come out of God's covenant with you. There are things that come out of your obedience to God. Sometimes you can receive something by impartation. And you will be misbehaving and that thing will still be working. Because God 
cannot deny himself. But God can bless people through that thing you have been given. That's why you see many, some of these people that don't even know their Bible from anything, they will still do certain miracles. And it's not that they are false. They are doing it genuinely because they received maybe an inheritance or an ordination or something. Somebody laid hands. Somebody was saying that, uh, you know, as wicked as Abacha was, he, he seemed uh, he, he, he seemed invincible. Nobody could touch him. He was as wicked as he wanted to be, and nobody could do anything about it. It was later somebody was saying that the backstory that people might not know was that he did something for a great servant of God. And the servant of God said, as long as I live, nobody will be able to unseat you. It was the year that that servant of God died that Abacha died. So as wicked as he was, there was, there was something that sustained that man. So when you are just saying, ha, ah, this person is doing, the, the wicked is prospering, the wicked is prospering. One of the things the wicked know how to do very well is give to the things of God. And unfortunately, then you might now find a servant of God called an anointed that has a standing with God that the person will say, oh, oh Lord, because of what I have with you, do this and this and this for that man. So that that man will still go to hell. But while he is here, those things will hold him. You will now say, Lord, destroy that person. What is your own standing before God that you can cancel what that man said? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you... You, that, you can pray, Lord, destroy, Lord, destroy. If somebody... <laughs> hey. Hallelujah. So that's why you must have stature, you know, that passage that says the rod of the wicked will not rest upon the lot of the righteous. And the Holy Spirit said to me one day that, how come the righteous doesn't even have a rod? Why, why is it the wicked that holds the rod? What is the righteous doing? Because the rod stands for authority. How come the, it, the, how come the righteous has no authority? Why is it that it is the rod of the wicked you are praying against? Why is it not your own rod standing on the lot of the wicked? Why can't you as a child of God stand and say, as long as I'm in this place, no evil can happen here? But you can't because you don't know God enough. You have not dealt with God enough that God can commit certain levels of authority and power to you. There are things that are yours by virtue of who you are. For example, if you're a father, the authority, whether you're a good father or a bad father, whatever you say, except that child is a child of God. If, as long as you give back to that child, you've seen women that will say, if it's not this breast that you saw, and whatever they say will come to pass, unless somebody with the, the rod of a higher priesthood knows how to destroy and cancel what they said. So it, it, that, that authority does not depend on whether the man is a good man or a bad man. Because he's your father, he can say it. But there are other things that are of God that it's not just because he's a good or a bad It is because God has committed himself and covenanted himself to you. Let me give you an example. There are certain things that if you want to pray for yourself, it might take you a while. But do you know that when God called daddy, for example, there were certain agreements they had. Yes or no? God, if you, if you are under somebody that does not have an agreement with God, you have a problem. 
So he can go to God and say, on the strength of that agreement that I have with you, you know I've been faithful. And God will say, yes, you have. Okay, so on the basis of that agreement, can you do A, B, C, and D? And God will do it. So you are there praying, Lord, Lord, this, Lord, this. He says that. So if you want to now shorten your own journey, you also now go to God and say, you know, that man, say yes, sir. You know, he's my father, spiritual, biological, whichever one. Say yes, okay. that agreement you have with him, you know, you, one of the things you love the most, God, is generational things. You say yes. So the son can inherit from the father. You say yes. Say, okay, on the basis of that our agreement, both of, you are, both of us are on the same page. That thing you agreed with him, can you apply it to me? That's the basis of the blood of Jesus. You cannot use the blood of Jesus if you are not the son of God. But you be, when you become the son of God, you can lay claim to the blood of Jesus and everything that Jesus has. So that when God is seeing you, he's seeing you not just as you, he's seeing you as Jesus. So that when you also pray and say, by the, by the covenant you've had with my father, God is not just seeing you, he's seeing you in your father. That means if, if you and your father, if you have issues, God will not see you in him. So you can be in the house of God and God does not recognize you under the umbrella of the covenant that he has with his servant. You can have been in church for 15 years and when you pray and say, oh Lord, oh Lord, no, Lord, God is looking at you like, who are you? <laughs> you know the name of Jesus is not the same in the mouth of everybody. You think so? I go find a crippled man and say, welcome in Jesus' name. <laughs> you will learn your lesson. <laughs> the reason is not because the provision to raise the crippled man is not there. It is because there are certain things you have not gotten. There is a knowledge. When I'm talking of knowledge, I'm not just saying you've crammed scriptures. You know, there are some things you know in the bones of your bones. There are certain things that the Holy Spirit has so crystallized. How do you know you are born again? Because the spirit bears witness with your spirit. So it, deep within your spirit, you know that you are born again. See, that same place where you know those things, those are also the same place, that's also the same place for which you must know the things of God. That you know that you know that you know that God cannot fail. When you see men that have faith, what they have done is that they have compared the situation with God and they have concluded that this thing is no match for God. So they stand in the faithfulness of God, whether it's looking good or it's looking bad. And many times God allows it to be as bad as it can get. Why? So that Satan can say, I have done my worst. He did it to Jesus. Satan, you, you know the party they had in hell that day? That Jesus died. All the demons left, all the people they possessed. Even the ones that entered the pig went to hell because they needed to party because the son of God, they killed him. Unfortunately for them, that party they called, they thought it was to celebrate the death of Jesus. It was, it was to celebrate the humiliation of the devil. So he spoiled principalities and powers and made a public. Who were the public? Who were the public that attended? <laughs> Hallelujah. So Jesus must know you as a believer because this is a risk that children of God run where you believe in Jesus, but Jesus does not exactly believe in you. 
Say, I believe in Jesus, but Jesus is not looking at you and seeing his disciple. And there are many, many children of God like that. Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe. But Jesus said, if you want to, if you want to go beyond that, you will be a disciple. And if you are not a disciple, then on that day, you say, Lord, in your name, I did this. And you say, depart from me. I never knew you. Notice that he didn't say, I don't know you anymore. He said, I never knew you. That means there was no point in the lives of those people that they ever got into a place of intimacy with Jesus. Yet, they did things in his name. He never denied that they were lying. He never said, you didn't do the things you did. He said, I never knew you. The, what's the name of this person? The seven sons of Sceva. Was it the first day they did the exorcism that? It wasn't the first day. They've been doing it. If they weren't doing it, nobody would come and call them that day. What happened was that they found a demon. <laughs> what, the one they found that day was not the regular ones, that, the small, small ones. You know, it's in, you know, you know the, the kingdom of God is bound by love. But the kingdom of hell, or demons, is, is bound by their common hatred for Jesus. It's not, demons don't love each other. They just have a common enemy. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's why the Bible says when, when a demon is cast out of a person, that demon goes and says, and then he goes around, but he doesn't find rest because the cause of God on demons is that they will never find rest. So he doesn't find rest. He says, let me go back to the house I left and see if I can still enter. So the Bible says the demon will go back and if he gets there and he sees that the place is clearly swept and everything, he says, hmm. The, what does the Bible say? The Bible says he won't enter. He will go and call seven more wicked demons than himself. So the demon is willing to be the least in that place so that he can at least find some rest. So it, 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 it was a decision like, if I go in there, this man might be able to cast, that power that casted me out before won't be able to, will cast me out again, so let me not stay. So let me go and find seven more wicked ones. That means when it comes to power, there is greed. And demons know that. Demons know that. Demons, it's children of God. You have received power. Which size? Which one? What the power you have received, what can it do? The power you have received, when you lay hands on your head with headache, does it stay or does it go? If it doesn't go, you don't have much. Even though, it's not because it's not available. The, the Holy Ghost is like, if the Holy Ghost should be fully in you, if, if the Holy Ghost should express himself fully in a child of God, you cannot stay here on this planet. It, that's why it was amazing. How, do you know, you know the Bible says Jesus carried the Holy Ghost in full. And you will see instances in the life of Jesus where it was almost like the Holy Ghost was trying to just carry him away. Yeah, month of transfiguration, what happened? He turned white as snow. Many times they will want to stone him. He will just walk by them. Many times he will go and, When all those demonstrations are walking on water, uh, telling this, is the, only, the Holy Ghost was bubbling. It was Jesus that was just, let's just manage it until I die. Once he died, how many days before he left? He, he, how did he leave? So if, you, if the fullness of the Holy Ghost enters you, you too, what happens on the day of rapture? What happens is that the Holy Ghost finally stretches his wings. You cannot stay here. You, it, it, it will be, 
impossible for you to stay because the fullness of the Holy Ghost will finally be expressed in your vessel. You will live by force. That's what happens. So, but until then, so the Holy Ghost will be as you are, it's like a, you know, as you give space, you'll be filling the space. So it's not that the power of the Holy Ghost, when you say, Lord, give me power, God is laughing at you because he has given you the Holy Ghost. That is the entire compendium of power. Even when God does nothing without the Holy Ghost. So God give me all power. He says, Mm-mm, you have the Holy Ghost. But the problem is the, the, the excellence with the Holy Ghost can demonstrate himself in you. Is up, up to the degree through which he can use you or he finds space in your vessel. So your biggest prayer is that, the, that God will help you to give space to the Holy Ghost. And you cannot. You know, Jesus said there are many things I want to say that you cannot bear. That means the disciples had reached their elastic limit. They could no longer, even the disciples could no longer bear. So he said, okay, I won't say that because you cannot bear. He said, ah, when the spirit of truth comes, that means the Holy Ghost is supposed to now teach us the things that they couldn't bear. Some of the things they couldn't bear were the things that Apostle Paul wrote. That was, those were revelations that the church, that the disciples could not, Paul, even Peter, you know Peter was also reaching last and said, hmm, these things are hard. So they were reaching the elastic limit. So if you have reached the elastic limit with God also, you, that is the little you will have. There is no limit to what the Holy Ghost can do in you. I was reading of, I was listening to an, uh, um, a testimony of Archbishop Daosa. It was to do a conference, a, 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 a crusade. And you know, big crusade, so they were setting up the lights and everything. They had generator now. In the process of setting up the lights, the wire fell, the pole fell, fell on about six people, and they all got electrocuted and died. This was the day of, of crusade. So they went to call him and said, sir, we have a problem. What's the problem? Light has electrocuted people, six people, and they are dead. Man said, dead. Well, he said, okay, fine. So he said, let's go, and, let's go there. He got to them and he just tapped them on the head. My friend, get up. My friend, get up. Tapped all of them in there, everybody got up. And they continued crusade as if nothing happened. It doesn't mean that power is not available in you as you are sitting. The problem is the, the interactions. Kenetagin, they said, when Kenetagin is watching, you know, it's because his children will say they want to watch football. So while he's sitting today, watch, he's, he's, this was Kenetagin Jr. saying it, that while they are watching football, you realize that his father's mouth is moving. The man is watching football. He's praying in the Holy Ghost. He's in the bathroom. He's praying in the Holy Ghost. He's every, when he died and they did autopsy, they said his organs were like those of a 20-year-old. So he didn't die. He, wasn't, he didn't die because his body failed. He died because he had finished. A child of God should only die when he has finished. And you will finish in Jesus' name. So if, I'm going to stop here because of time. But know this. The, there is no limit that you can get to in God. But the question is, how much of the knowledge of God are you willing? Some of the things, it will be that you are told and you know. One of the things, for example, there's, God wants to trust us with great wealth and everything. But God must know. What did God say about Abraham? He said, will I do this thing and not tell my servant Abraham? Said why? Said because I know him. 
That means God had trained Abraham to a point to say, I know him that he will command his children after him. And then you go and read the story of Isaac. You realize that Isaac wanted to go to Egypt. God said, don't go. That means Abraham trained Isaac to recognize the voice of God. Abraham trained Isaac to build altars like he did. So God was right. But it was because there, there was an experience between God and Abraham that eventually Abraham, God could say, I know him. The question is, if God says, I know you, what is God going to say he knows you about? I know him. If I tell him to give me all the money in his bank account, he will give me. But God is not even going to make a demand like that if we are begging you to pay tight and offer. The blessing is that some of these things in church that it looks like commandments, they are basic level, they are, they are Christianity 101. Give tight, give offering. Nobody should be asking, nobody should be asking you. If you like, give, you like, don't give. If you don't give, you are showing God that. If God cannot ask you to give 1%, how do you think he's going to ask? You are waiting for him to come and say, empty your bank account. It's not going to happen. Because on the basic level, you have already failed. Have you seen somebody that goes to part two when they failed part one? They stayed there. They stayed there. God talked to me. When the pastor said, come by 7 o'clock, did you come? Was the pastor not speaking for God? But you want to hear the audible voice. You won't hear it. You are looking for something spectacular. The basic ones, you have refused to listen. God cannot say, I know him. God cannot say, I know her. And you must get to that point where God can confidently say, I know him. And notice that if you read that, go and read that story of Abraham and God. You know that God knew Abraham. God spoke to Abraham about what he was going to do in Sodom. And they never mentioned Lot. It was God by himself because of his covenant with Abraham. It was God, the Bible says, and God remembered Lot. It wasn't Abraham that said, God, my cousin. If you do what you will do, if you do what you're supposed to do, whether you know or not, your children will be shielded. Your business will be shielded. It's not, your prayer will not be, Lord, my children, my children. You can stand and say, God, by virtue of how well I serve you, my child cannot be lost. And that child will not be lost. Benin's daughter, let me say this story and I close. Benin's daughter one day went to him and said, you know, this pastor's daughter's life is not, is not working. He said, what do you mean? He said, I don't get to party with my friends. I don't get to do anything with my friends. I don't. Benin said, you want to party? He said, yes. Okay. Which club do you want to go? And she mentioned the club. So Benin said, don't worry. I will drive you to the club myself. So they got in the car. And she dressed for the party and everything. <laughs> so he drove her to the club. And when they got to the club, he went to sit there in the corner. She went to the dance floor. And the man was, he was, he was sitting in the corner in the nightclub. Nightclub, oh, 12 a.m. He was, and he was, he was telling God that, God, I did not spend my entire life serving you. So that some nonsense boy can carry my daughter home by 1 a.m. I have not spent my entire life serving you so that my own children can go to it. He said while he was just, he wasn't praying. He was telling God, you know, <coughs> you can't tell God, look, you asked me to give my certificate I gave you. There's nothing you have asked me that I have not to the best of my ability given you. you not, are you not going to watch this of mine? You gave me. Why would you not watch it? God? He said when he was at the back of God, almost fighting God, like what is all of this now? The girl came and said, we shouldn't be here. 
It was the girl that came to him and said, let's go home. That was the last time that kind of drama ever happened. You must have something your children can leverage with God. It is not don't do this, don't do that. It is not, you are not going to be there 24-7. When they go to uni, are you going to be there? When they get married, are you going to be there? You are not going to be there 24-7, but there must be something that even in their, when they are in the darkest of the darkest corners and they call on the God of their father, the God of their father, must, you must have invested enough for the God of their father to rise up and answer them. Rise up on your feet this morning. Let me, let me stop here. How much of God do you know? And how much of you, of you does God know? And how much have you given to God of yourself that qualifies you to stand before God and be making certain demands? God, are you blind? Can't you see that I'm suffering? God will smile at you because when his own son was suffering, where were you? There are some things you say to God that you might think it makes sense. It makes no sense. God is not sentimental. They don't do emotions in heaven. When, when the centurion, Acts 10 or so, uh, when the Cornelius, Bible says he was giving offering, he was praying, he was doing harms, he was doing everything. The angel came to him and said, your harms have come to God as a memorial. He didn't come to God as a sacrifice, he came as a memorial. And God said, now send for Peter and Peter will tell you what to do. Was Cornelius not doing anything? That means all the arms that Cornelius was giving, he was giving. God was seeing it, but God knew that that was not what he was supposed to do. What he needed to do was to get born again and then serve God. So God said, I will go call for Peter. He will tell you what to do. A.K.A. you have been spending your time doing the wrong thing. But in mercy, send for a man that will teach you what to do. One of the people that God has sent us to teach us what to do is in this house today. Close your eyes. That the things I need to do, as I am told, as I am instructed, as I am told, as I am instructed, I won't just be listening and not hearing. I won't just be opening my eyes and not seeing. In the name of Jesus.